Hi there, and welcome to the Living with SMA podcast. We're here to have conversations about living with spinal muscular atrophy. Throughout this podcast, we will be covering lots of different topics from preparing for university, getting the most from your personal budget, sex and relationships, and lots, lots more. So we invite different hosts from across the SMA community to come together here. We want to answer your questions, provide you with useful tips and recommendations, and also share personal stories. So please do reach out and connect with us here at the charity SMA UK. Thank you for listening, and we hope to find the podcast useful. In part one, we'll be talking about the university experience. We'll be looking at whether disability makes you look at things differently when exploring higher education, and we'll also be talking about accessibility and fighting for justice. Hello everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Living with SMA podcast. Um, You are joining us today and we're going to be talking about a brand new topic uh, today, which is, is another interesting one as always. We're going to be talking about higher education and sharing um, our experiences of higher education, university and the transition into employment and a career within the big bad world of working. Um, so before we dive into that topic, I want to introduce my guests to you today. Um, we, the three of us, are no strangers to the podcast. Um, I'm sure you've seen us all um, pop up here, there um, in the past. So if I kick things off with myself, my name's Ross Lannan. Um, I'm a lifestyle and disability blogger. I'm 29 years old and I'm from Cornwall and I have SMA myself. Um, so I'm going to hand over now to Mia, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. So I'm Mia Myers. I've just turned 20, so I'm still at uni. I'm just about to go into my third and final year studying psychological and behavioural sciences at Cambridge. And yeah, I have SMA type 3 and I'm currently trying to figure out what to do with my life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And Stephen. Thank you, Ross. So hi, everyone. My name is Stephen Jones. Um, I'm currently working for the civil service in HMRC. I'm also 29 and I've got SMA type 3. Fantastic. I feel like I'm the only one who actually didn't mention where I work, so should tap on the wrist already. Um, I work for Chaos TV as a, a radio host. So the point of today's podcast is we're going to be talking about um, we're going to be showing different aspects, I think, and this is what's exciting about higher education and employment, because the three of us come from three different angles here. So we've obviously got um, Mia, who is still in higher education. I believe you've got another year or so to go. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, one more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you've got um, Stephen, yourself, you have gone through university and mm-hmm. you're in a, a paid employment role now. Mm-hmm. And also we've got myself who I actually didn't go to university. I didn't um, have any sort of high education, but I am too. I'm now in a, a paid employment in a job role that I'm really passionate about and I enjoy. So I think the aim of today's podcast is to for all of us to share our experiences and 
to show that regardless of our disabilities, interests and education, we can still get to where we want to be. Um, so let's let's kick it right back to the start and let's talk about um, your guys' university experience. So Mia, if you can kick us off and tell us a little bit about um, your thoughts and feelings towards leaving uh, college and making that decision that you wanted to go to university. Yeah, well, university was something that I always knew I wanted to do. I always enjoyed studying and I wanted the university experience. I wanted the independence that comes with that. But I honestly didn't think I'd be able to do it, which now feels like something uh, maybe not so thought through to say. But I remember I was 16 and I sent a very stressed email to SMA UK and said, I want to go to uni, but I don't think I can. Can someone talk to me? And then I got put in touch with some lovely people that basically told me to chill out and gave me some tips. And yeah, and then I was able to go look around unis and I knew what questions to ask. And I think also negotiating budgets and sorting out PAs was something that scared me. Um, and so that was a big thing to, to come to terms with. But yeah, I'm really happy that I made the decision and now I've nearly done it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Mia, what was it about going to uni? You said you had the, those fears and you emailed SMA UK. Like in that email, what, what was you so worried about? Uh, I think it was mostly the PA side of things because I'd never really had a good PA experience. And in my mind, I decided to make the compromise, which I didn't do in the end, but to stay at home with the support that I knew worked for me rather than what felt like take a massive risk and go to uni and have new people that I needed to trust all of a sudden. That just felt very scary to me. Yeah. And Stephen, you sort of nodded your head as, as Mia was speaking there. Is that a similar situation for you? What was going through your head when you were making a decision of whether to go to university or not? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really interesting point. Um, I think when I was looking to go, and I can't believe it's 10 years ago since I started at university, it makes me feel really old, um, but I always wanted to go. And I think part of me was thinking, it might be easier for me to get a job if I've got a degree and a disability, which is a real, like, we shouldn't really be thinking that, but I think that's just a bit of a reflection on society sometimes and it's still really challenging for um disabled people to get jobs i mean it's improving a lot as well so i think i always thought yes i want to go and i'm just reflecting on on mia's point as well about logistics and organizing things and and all of that and i've never really been away from home for a long period of time and and i think you've almost got that extra layer of okay so you know, I want to do this course, but actually, where am I going to live? You know, what's all these other logistical areas? Am I going to take my car with me? Or what support do I need? And how much is it going to cost me, like, in addition to, like, everyone else? So I think it's a lot more of that sort of thinking through and actually, what does this mean for me? And what does this mean for my life? And an element of it is a bit, actually, is it just easier to not go? And um, which is a really bad thing to think about. But I think 
it sort of went through my head actually do I want to live out do I want to stay and it was quite there were big questions for anyone but I think with a disability as well there's sort of that extra lens of you know complexity in that space yeah and I think the interesting thing that's coming from this from from the three of us as well is that I think we can all agree that having a disability ourselves we look at things differently to maybe our more able-bodied peers when they maybe are making a decision of going to uni it's probably more based on you know the location they're going to be or what course they want to study whereas when you have a disability i think we have to sort of think about a lot more intense issues that are going to affect our life you know more more majorly is that a fair point you agree with yeah, yeah, I I think so, because I think, I mean, when I was looking at universities, I was, I was really fortunate that my uh, my parents went with me to look at universities before I actually put in my options. And even going round, so um, I went to one to visit and it was really hilly. And I was actually thinking, this has just put me off because if I'm coming out, I don't know, at the library or, you know, or it's been raining or, you know, if the car park is really far away, that will instantly make me think well that will take me like 20 minutes to do that what if i'm late and all of that and it's it's that extra worry a little bit of it so there's small things which i certainly notice which won't really impact others but impacts me and i think that's probably the same to lots of uh, disabled people yeah and i think stephen you made a really good point a minute ago when you mentioned about whether you felt you had to go to university to get like a degree or a qualification because that will help you with a future job do you think that comes with the stigma of having a disability that if you didn't have that degree um you'd have an even lesser chance of getting a job because we know as individuals with disabilities it's already a little bit harder than most to to gain employment i mean i i think so and i think lots of it was probably around the age of 16 when lots of my friends were sort of getting part-time jobs in, in shops, supermarkets, everything like that. And that was really challenging for me to get that because I think at that age, in that like, terms of employment then, it is mostly those physical, potentially manual jobs. So I think because I found that quite challenging, sort of not being able to sort of get employment then, I was thinking, you know, what would it be like at 18 after I've been to Sitzcom? So it definitely was a factor. Yeah. And as, as myself, as someone who decided not to go to university, I, um, it wasn't a, a flat out easy decision. I myself also did some research and went and visited um, a couple of places. And again, it comes back to one thing, one of the main things for, for me was I didn't really know what course I wanted to do. And I was like, I could just go and do any course for the sake of it because all my friends are going off and that's what's seen as the norm. Um, or, and and the next big issue, which Mia, you touched on, was the issue with PAs or care. Um, talk me through a little bit more, Mia, if you can, about how you managed to overcome that fear of um, wanting to go to uni, but also being concerned about your care needs. Uh, the main thing is probably with choosing unis, the only proper restriction I put on myself was I wasn't going to apply to a uni further than a three hours drive from my home in case something went wrong. Because my issue with PAs at sixth form 
was that they were just very unreliable and I got through a lot and they just wouldn't turn up or they'd leave and so I wanted to know that if I was in that situation at uni what would I do and that would be I would come home get on the train or someone from my family could come and help me out so I think that really helped I think also my personally my determination to go to uni kind of overrode that fear a little bit so then it felt worth it to push through that even though it was a bit terrifying (laughs) and what what a decision to make as well and Stephen similar question to yourself um what were your thoughts in terms of PAs and care when it comes to almost moving away from home yeah, so I'm actually, I don't actually have any care um, at the moment, and I didn't at uni as well. So I think the big things for me was I was able to take my car, and then what facilities were there, which enabled me to live, you know, in complete, you know, without any assistance in lots of ways. Um, so I think shopping was a real big consideration as well, and like, how am I going to do that? And I sort of managed that by doing it in sort of small quantities instead of doing a sort of big shop, which I think is quite common when people are at university as well. But I think a key thing is my my home was 40 minutes drive away. So even though I lived that, um, where if I needed to pop home and sort of get some assistance doing something or, um, you know, anything like that, that was really read- readily available. And because I took my car and it was really easy to access and all of that, that really helped in that way. Um, and I was able to sort of manage that. I think if I'd lived any further away, that might have become a bit of a, a bit of an issue because I could like pop home within a day and come back sort of thing. So it was quite easy in that sense. Yeah, I think travel again is another issue that we have to consider because we're not just talking about not wanting to be away from home because we're going to miss our friends and families. We're thinking from a a, um, a medical point of view as well. And from a safety point of view, we, we can't afford to be too far from home because you never know what what help you will need. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important thing to, to touch on. So we've talked about um, the decisions and the thought processes into choosing um, the right uni. Let's actually talk about your time at uni. So Mia, let's start with you because you're, you're in the thick of it now. You are living um, and breathing it as we speak. What has your overall uni experience been like in terms of um, accessibility? Mine's probably been a bit different from lots of people because I was a COVID fresher. So I was in my first year in 2020, which was a decision that I had to make at the time, whether I would defer, uh, but I decided not to in the end. So um, my uni experience is definitely not necessarily been what I expected it to be however I think because of you know my vulnerability to COVID which I'm sure lots of people can relate to uh, I had to really think through before I went to uni how my experience would look and how it would be different and I had to come to terms with that but um, I've really enjoyed it even though first year I was at uni for a term and then I came home when there was a lockdown so we were doing it all online everything was remote Then second year, uh, I was there the whole time, literally barely left (laughs) to try and make up for it. And mostly accessibility has been okay. When people ask me this, 
I say that, well, my uni town and my uni was definitely not designed with access needs in mind at all. And that's just something that I think you need to keep perspective on because it's only one town in the whole of the world and there are many other places. And so I think coming to terms with that has helped. The main issue that I had was at the beginning of my second year, I was doing a paper that I'd chosen that wasn't from the psychology department. So it wasn't, they didn't necessarily have all the information they should have had about me. And I kind of had that moral dilemma where I thought I should check access, but I don't think I should. So I don't want to, but I feel like it's probably a good idea if I do. And then I caved at the end and emailed them um, and basically said, I'm sure you've already thought about this. Well, they hadn't thought about it and it was in an inaccessible venue which is annoying, but okay, we can deal with that. But then it was the way that they responded to it really annoyed me because they said, we'll look into what we can do, but no promises. We are live streaming lectures for people who have COVID, so you can watch those. And I was fuming. I was so angry. Uh, I wrote a very long, very assertive email. I quoted at them their legal codes of practice, which they'd updated two weeks before. And I attached it to the email for their attention. And I attached my um, like student support document, which outlines all the needs that we have that says wheelchair access is needed. And then I copied in the director of my degree, the director of the disability centre, the director of the department where the lectures were, the people running the lectures, my tutor, my director of studies, basically loads of people uh, got me sending this very assertive email to them. And then they got stressed because I told them I'd take legal action if I needed to. I obviously was terrified writing this, didn't want to do it, but I was just so annoyed. Um, And then they moved the lectures. And now they're scared of me, so things are accessible. So that's my advice to people. <laughs> you know what? That is incredible. And firstly, can you come and sort my life out? Because I feel like we all need a Mia in our life. That is amazing. How, obviously you said like sending that email or putting that together, they obviously lit a fire in, in your belly. Mm. Um, you must feel so proud of yourself afterwards do like affecting that change because not only are you going to obviously benefit from that but future people as well are going to obviously benefit as well yeah yeah I think at the time I was just so frustrated and it felt like a very vulnerable place to put myself in sending that email because I was talking logistically but also I was saying how it was affecting me emotionally, not in an overdramatic way, but just to the point because I thought people needed to know. And it honestly surprised me the impact that it had. Um, Yeah, a few weeks after I was still like a bit tired (laughs) and still had a bit of adrenaline because it was just such a big deal considering I'd barely been at uni physically for the first year. And then the first interactions I have with like, the heads of my degree and department and all of that was me basically saying I'm not being unreasonable but you need to sort this out and they did Um, and then actually they took it up through to the directors of the university and then they've changed how uh, lecture halls are booked so now if there's someone in a wheelchair in 
your class, then they don't let you book a lecture hall that is not accessible. So that's good, at least. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a brilliant story because it has this almost happy ending to it. But I can I can imagine how annoyed you must have been because again it's almost like treating people with disabilities as like a second class citizen. Just you know, we run the classes online. We're not saying you can't do it. That's not an option because that that's ultimately taking away from your university experience. No, I agree um, definitely. It was just the implication that it wouldn't matter to me, um, and it did. So I told them. <laughs> Good for you. And Stephen, I mean, that's going to be a hard story to tell. <laughs> but have you had any sort of standout moments from your uni experience that you've really had to fight for sort of like a, a justice as such? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was reflecting on that story because um. I suppose I had similar instances happen when I was at uni, but I didn't didn't fight as hard for them, which maybe I should have done in, in some ways. Um, and, and it's interesting because when I was at university, there was no like, lectures weren't recorded. There was no um, live streaming or, or anything like that. And I think they just started recording lectures when I when I left in um, I think 2015 now um, as well. So. It was almost like if you didn't go to a lecture, you missed it, and that was it. Um, and there, were, I mean, I did find the whole lecture halls very well, quite designed really badly in lots of ways because you had to sort of sit right at the front and you couldn't sit back with anyone or sort of integrate fully. So I think firstly they were sort of designed in quite a strange and excluding way in lots of ways. And I, I remember once. Um, they did sort of rearrange one of my rooms that I was meant to be in at really short notice. I think it was just double booked, they hadn't realised. And they went, they sort of said, oh, we've got this room. And they sort of took me to the lift, went up into the lift sort of thing onto the second floor. And then there was like two steps to get into the into oh. the room. So I was thinking, what's happened here? You sort of like half solved it by putting a lift in and all of that, but it was right at the end. So. In the end, I missed that lecture. But then again, my lecturer did sort of have a session with me later on just to sort of talk me through. But but still, it's more that actually I was excluded from taking part in that. Um, but I mean, I, I, did a, I did a year out, I did a placement year. And when I came back, my university had a brand new building um, and it was being built in the first two years when I was there. And that really made all of the difference because it was really big, it was really modern. You know, it was fully accessible. Um, well, accessible for me, it might not be fully accessible for everyone else. And I found that really, really like it sort of changed my university experience because lots of those blockers in terms of me thinking, how do I get to the room? Will I be able to get in there? How big is the room? Like all of those things around my head were just sort of removed because I just knew it was all accessible. And and as well, I mean. Um, the library was an interesting one as well because online they had a new system where you sort of just reserve books, which isn't, you know, which isn't a big thing. Every library does that. And then you sort of just go and you pick them up. And but in the previous library, it was very much you just went and explored and sort of you could ask for books, you know, if, if you knew what you were looking for. But this yeah. was such a good way to sort of, uh, you know, remove a barrier of me looking around and everything. So a couple of challenges there. Yeah. And I think. 
it's I think it's important to touch on as well like when it comes to the uni experience in general what may work well for one person may not always work well for another mm-hmm. so in in like Mia's situation for example she obviously didn't want to um you know do the whole online learning you wanted to be have that uni experience of being in the classroom with your colleagues um but a lot of people maybe who maybe would prefer to do the the online versions or they might have some anxieties or disabilities that that for their own choice would mm-hmm. prefer them to to be at home i know from my own personal experience during lockdown i did an online um, journalism course and it's the first time i've ever done like online learning and i to to gain a qualification from that i was really proud of myself because i thought i really didn't want to go back into education i think once i'd finished my college experience because i didn't have the best college experience it almost frightened me towards further education that i was like right i need to i need to get out of education now i'm going to start getting some work experience and looking for employment which i did um but then during lockdown and obviously covid times that affected employment i thought maybe i will go back to a bit of education and that's what i did but i i went down the online learning route and that worked really well for me so i think it's just important that everyone i don't know if you agree with me everyone is different and that's something that we should be championing championing no, I definitely agree. But I also think it's important that everybody has the option to choose. So if that works for you, then that's completely fine. But like in my case, these lectures that I was fighting for, I could have watched online. They were Monday 9am, two hours, first thing on a Monday. So that just shows the point that I wanted to prove that I put myself through that. Because then I had to go every week <laughs> because I changed the whole lecture venue. But it was the fact that then, like my peers, I could make that decision for myself. It wasn't made for me. And that was what was important to me. You've been listening to the Living with SMA podcast. We hope you can join us again next time. But in the meantime, please don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find out more on our website at smauk.org.uk.